for another another God Pod. Um, good morning, Jane. Good morning, Graham. Good morning, Mike. Good morning to you. We are all here. This is um, Graham Tomlin, Jane Williams, and Mike Lloyd. And um, we have no guests today. Just the usual suspects. Just it? the usual three people gathered around our table with our biscuits and our coffee. And we're sorry we can't share the biscuits and coffee with you. Yeah, that's that's right. the trouble with virtual reality. Yeah, but we'll eat them for you yeah, with yeah, great Yes, yeah, so vicarious eating. <laughs> well, I better have one right now, <laughs> haven't I? God, they might feel hard done by. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, we are um, about to launch into yet another series of very good questions. Thank you to everyone who's emailed in questions um, since last time. And um, the first one, well, I don't know when you're listening to this, but uh, when we're uh, talking now, it is just a few days since Easter Day. So we're kind of thinking resurrection and that sort of thing. Can I tell a little Easter joke? Yeah, go on. Why doesn't Jesus roll the stone behind him after he goes out of the tomb? I don't know, Mike. Why no. doesn't he? Well, he was brought up in a barn. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Not at all. You can edit that without. Just carry on eating your biscuits. <laughs> 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 well... Okay, well, we're sort of moving swiftly on from that. <laughs> um, we have a question about the resurrection this morning, and it's from um, someone called Andrew. And uh, the question is about this. Um, well, the basic question is, how do you perceive the resurrection to have occurred? And what was the spiritual and physical nature of the resurrected Jesus? Um, there are then lots of questions about the order in which everything happened, um, from the kind of Maundy Thursday to Easter day, and um, did Jesus sort of descend into hell to redeem the souls who are in hell and then rise again? And how is the resurrection and the ascension all bound up together? And all that kind of thing. But um, it seems that the, the main point of the question is, is, is it really just trying to think well, what actually happened? What do we think actually happened in the resurrection? And um, what do we think the resurrected body of Jesus was like? So, um, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the question goes on to say he's clearly spirit because he goes through locked doors or walls and disappears. Um, by some miracle, this resurrected Jesus can nonetheless eat fish. Uh, so was he spirit with a miraculous metabolism? Hmm. Um, it, it seems to me that that's, that's a, a better way of looking at it is not that the, the body of Jesus, the resurrected body of Jesus, was so kind of insubstantial as to be able to go through walls but that it was so substantial and so real and so solid that walls were immaterial by comparison and offered no resistance. Um, the, the resurrected body of Jesus is the most real thing mm. in creaturely existence. Mm. Uh, and everything else is, is a shadow by comparison. I and mean, hence C.S. Lewis's mm. thing about it's these the, the shadow lands. The recreated world is, uh, is the solid world. Mm. Mm. Um, and, and I think that's, that's a really helpful thing to say, yeah. Mike. Yeah. I, I, I was one of the things that I've always found most convincing about the resurrection is, is the very strange stories that, that the Gospels tell mm. us about the resurrection, that Jesus is not immediately recognisable, um, that he clearly is mm. physical when he's with people, but, but this person that they've loved and, mm. and gazed at, that they don't recognise him. Mm. Um, but also that there is obviously a sort of interim period where Jesus' resurrected body is still limited 
to a particular time and place. Um, and the ascension marks the point at which that um, resurrected body becomes universal, <laughs> yeah. so that Jesus' presence is universal um, after the ascension in a way that it clearly still isn't in the, in the um, immediate period where he's with his disciples again. So I find it absolutely fascinating and terribly convincing because if I was making up a resurrection story, I wouldn't do it like that, mm. would you? Mm. Yeah, that's right. There's a, there is a strange mixture between, as you say, at times they don't recognise him, but then they do. Yes. And so you, you can and you can't, and there's a kind of continuity and there's a discontinuity um, between it, between the, the, the resurrected body and the, and the kind of earthly body that, that he has. Um, and I suppose it's, I mean, it, I guess the other part of the question is it's, it's kind of looking forward a little bit to maybe our own resurrected bodies and, and what we will be, li- be like mm-hmm. um, in the resurrection if, if that is our, our destiny. Because I guess the only, the only resurrected body we've ever seen on this earth is Jesus' Jesus's one. Mm-hmm. But the whole point of the resurrection seems to me that that's the, it's the first fruits and therefore that, that we too will one day have bodies like, like that. Um, you know, Jesus' resurrected body is, is the kind of first snowdrop of spring. You know, you, you see a snowdrop and you don't think, oh, that's nice, as a snowdrop, mm. an isolated event. You think, oh, great, spring is coming. And you think, there's going to be more of these. And that's that's the point of it. Um, you too can be a real boy. That's <laughs> right, yes. Exactly. You've been watching too much Pinocchio. <laughs> 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 so you spend your time. The, the, the wounds of the of resurrected body seem to me to be really interesting and really significant. Um, the hymn talks about um, rich wounds yet visible above in beauty glorified uh, they're still there it's the same person who went through the crucifixion it's not as if the crucifixion has been undone it's not as if he's got back to how he was beforehand uh, before all these kind of nasty things happened he is the person to whom those things happened but the experiences have now been diffused of all that makes them traumatic and and, and, uh, destructive. Um, And it seems to me that that is a really significant pastoral model, that when we go through painful experiences, our aim should be not to get over them, not to get back to how we were before them, Mm -hmm. but to come through them, transformed, Mm -hmm. healed, and beautified and glorified in the process. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's actually quite a significant thing <coughs> because to get back to how we were before to get over them is actually a form of repression basically yeah. Yeah. and a refusal to be transformed yeah. uh, and it's an understandable refusal to, uh, mm. to be transformed because it's a painful process yeah. Yeah. but but nevertheless we have to go on through and out the other new side new life is only beyond that yeah, yeah, very good, yeah. Right. Yeah. good form this morning, isn't yes he is yeah, the, the right. other thing that I find really interesting about the resurrection appearances is is the things that then make Jesus recognisable, which it seems to me, again, are things that we can continue to look for. There's the word addressed directly, Mary, the voice that makes Jesus suddenly recognisable to Mary. There's the wounds Mm -hmm. um, shown to Thomas. There's um, the expounding of scripture Mm. on the road to Mm. Emmaus. Mm. And then the, the, the meal, the celebration meals mm. together. The breaking of bread. The breaking of bread, yeah. yes. And the eating of fish. But, and, yeah. and the miraculous catch of yes. fish yes. is actually what makes them yeah. recognise him. The, 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 the fruitfulness yes. of his intervention. So in looking for the signs yeah. of the risen Christ. Yeah. 
There's a very interesting thing to look for, yeah. aren't there? Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. But just going go back to this question of what, what the is that in your book on approaching Easter, Jane? Oh, thank Available you. Available from all good libraries. Exactly. <laughs> no, I've only just thought of it. Perhaps I should have to write another book. Yeah, no, <laughs> the sequel. We'll think of the best bits after. Leaving it? Easter behind. Approaching yes, Easter yeah. again. Another one. <laughs> <laughs> right this time. <laughs> um, yeah, just on the question of what the resurrected body of Jesus was like. Um, I that, that seems to be what Paul is reflecting or thinking about in 1 Corinthians 15 because it's, it's a passage which is very interesting and, and you often get it read at funerals but no one quite understands it because he starts talking about there are different kinds of flesh and the flesh of birds and the flesh of the animals and this sort of thing um, but I guess I, I think in that context he's, he's writing to a church in which or a context in which I, I mean, as with my reading of it is that there were people who were saying basically that um, either the resurrection has already happened or or there isn't really any life beyond this one therefore why don't we just eat and drink and so tomorrow we die and um, they're, all, they're also saying well, how can you imagine a resurrection body you know once we, once we die we die you know our bodies go into the ground and they decay and that's that's all there is to it and um, I think what he's trying to do there is to try and try to think well you know how can we conceive of a resurrection body that is different from these physical things that we have have at the moment and, and I suppose the way he goes about it I think is to simply, simply say well look you know, we, we can imagine there are different kinds of flesh you know there is the, there is the um, you know he says human beings have one kind of flesh animals have another birds another fish another there are heavenly bodies and there are earthly bodies the sun has one kind of splendor the moon another in other words he's trying to kind of imagine all kinds of different sorts of bodies and saying we can conceive of there are different kinds of bodies than the ones that we possess here um, so it's not that hard to imagine he says a different kind of body, a different kind of physicality um, that the resurrected body of Jesus has, just as fish have a different kind of flesh from, from, from our, our flesh, just as the sun and the moon have a different kind of reality from ours. So he's saying that, you know, that, that the resurrected body of Jesus is still physical. You know, God gives it a body. It's not just, as you say, Mike, it isn't just a sort of vague, ghostly, spiritual thing. Yeah. Um, this is a body, this is a physical thing, but it's a different kind of physicality from the one that we experience. Now, we can't entirely imagine that, mm. um, but just because we can't entirely imagine it doesn't necessarily mean it isn't there. We, and and he's, he's helping us to get there by saying that we're there, we, we can imagine different kinds of flesh, different kinds of physicality here, and that just maybe helps us to begin to think, well, the bo- resurrected body of Jesus will be like this in some way, but quite different from it in others. I, I think that's right. <coughs> it, the other thing that's going on, it seems to me, in that passage um, is that he's engaging with, if I can get philosophical on you for a minute, um, engaging with Platonism. Uh, Plato is known for his views of, negative views about the body, um, that you know, basically we are souls who happen to be trapped in the body, but when we die we'll escape from those bodies uh, and be able to live a purely spiritual existence. Now, obviously, the resurrection completely mm. cuts across that whole view. It gives a really high view of the body. It says it's an essential part of who we are as human beings, uh, and it's, it's part of our glory, not part of our mm. entrapment. Um, but the other thing that Platonism was not good on was diversity. Uh, it basically thought that uh, you know, if you read some of the Platonists, they, part of the problem of evil for them is that people have different jobs. You know, that somebody is a plumber and somebody else is a carpenter is a real problem for mm. the, the Platonists because um, they think that everybody should be the same. And there should be an the, ideal. Uh, yes, and the, and the ideal 
body was was spherical, mm. uh, and you know, everybody should have the same. Oh, thing. good! I've got one. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, and You're and far too thin. So he's <laughs> also saying that that diversity is actually. Uh, a a good, well, the, oh, Plato Paul was, but, but Paul is saying it's a good thing. It's mm. something to be gloried in. There are different kinds of flesh. Human beings have one kind, birds have another kind, fish have another kind, earth have another kind, mm. moon has another kind. And that's a good thing. That's part of what God's intention was. And therefore, when he renews creation, that diversity will be inherent within it and mm. enhanced and preserved mm. and, and gloried in, mm. um, not ironed out into uniform sameness and drabness. That's very interesting. I mean, the other thing he says is that we actually have all kinds of instances of physical transformation immediately before our eyes, like the seed that grows into something else. But because it happens regularly, we take it for granted. This is another kind of physical transformation that we don't yet understand, but that doesn't make it impossible for us to begin to imagine it. I think that's right. I think, it's very rarely I disagree with you, Mike, but... um, Mm. Oh, go on. Um, I mean, it's an Italian one. No, I, I, actually, I, I think he's actually writing more about Epicureans than he is about mm-hmm. Platonists here. I wrote an article about this once, and I'll show it to you one day. I we should look service. forward to that. Yeah, yeah we will. Well, it, was, it was in some obscure journal some time ago. But, um, Which people would doubtless go out and just no order one, off no the one net read, no one But Epicureans basically said that, you know, we are purely physical beings, and that when we die, we die. That's it. Um, there is no sort of afterlife. There's no sort of further life beyond this one. And... Um, um, actually, I, I think it fits the, the 1 Corinthians for all kinds of reasons. It fits the 1 Corinthians sort of um, context quite quite well. Um, but that interesting, the interesting thing about that, I think, is that a lot of our contemporaries actually are essentially Epicureans. In other words, they're yeah. people who simply believe we are physical beings with physical needs that need satisfying for a certain length of time. When we die, our bodies just go into the ground and decay. <coughs> End of story. Um, Whereas I think, and I think seeing Paul argue against that, I think it's in quite a contemporary ring because he's actually saying, this is back to your point, Jane, that, that well, it's, it isn't necessarily that. We can think of examples in our experience of things which seem to die in the ground like the seed, like the bulb, uh, which then somehow give birth to something continuous but discontinuous to it. You know, a bulb looks very different from a daffodil, um, but one comes, the daffodil comes from, from the bulb. There is a kind of continuity to it and then the bulb sort of dies in the ground and then gives birth to something mm-hmm. something else and so he says you know okay it can seem like our bodies just go into the ground and decay but actually they give birth to something beyond that so that, you know, there are ex- things in our experience of the natural world that um, give us I think it's what I think Cyril of Jerusalem talks about um, sort of um, indestructible instinct for resurrection that we that we have in our experience. Well, I think that's also true even in modern culture, which, as it, I agree with it, is kind of largely Epicurean in, it, in, oh. in its thinking. But actually, you know, when somebody you love dies, there's a whole lot of poems, uh, yeah. teddy bears, candles, uh, which suggest that the, the instinct for mm. believing in something more is, mm. is still there yeah. and still very much alive. Yeah. It, it just that's needs right. to be given shape and substance and direction really yeah. but people tend to think that this Christian hope of resurrection is, is therefore a sort of mindless optimism and not um, mm. not reality based whereas actually I think what Paul is saying is that that requires us to take our physical existence and its responsibilities mm. both for our own physical existence and other people's much more seriously yeah, that's right. if yeah. this is the seed of what is going yeah. to be transformed right. our bodies are significant yeah. they're not just going to disappear into the ground they're actually going to be remade and therefore what we do with them matters yes. as, as do the bodies of the people that we persecute yeah. and starve yeah. and, 
And as does the creation itself. Indeed. It's not that that's going to be disposed of um, yep. and, and left behind in, into a glorious physical, a spiritual existence. It's going to be taken up mm. and redeemed and restored and, and beautified and glorified mm. and shot through the presence and glory of God. And therefore, we need to take it seriously now and to deal with it responsibly now uh, because it has an eternal place in the purposes of God. Just a, another interesting little thing. I mean, what, what do you think about the last bit of... Um, uh, Mel Gibson's Passion of the Christ. Do you remember, do you remember the bit where... I haven't seen it. I, I, I'm no, afraid I you're the only one who's been there. You're the only one who's seen it. You are the only one who's... What a shame. What a shame. Well, that, what happens at the end is, is you get this little bit of the resurrection. You don't get much of the resurrection in it, but you get um, the, the grave clothes, as it were. Just It's almost as if Jesus sort of disappears out of the grave clothes and they sort of subside gently onto the, onto the plinth. And then you see this body of Jesus, this resurrected body of Jesus, who still has the... the, the, the the nail prints in his hands, um, sort of sitting rather serenely and freed from all the other kind of marks of the of the, um, um, of the, of the passion next to it. And so I suppose it's the question of, of, of maybe this is an impossible question to answer, to answer. But what would we have seen if you'd been in the tomb as the resurrection happened? Don't you think that's another one of those points where the Gospels say, mind your own business? <laughs> <laughs> I think there are a number of points where the Gospels don't tell you things because you haven't got the, you, if you were there, you wouldn't have a clue how to describe it or even what you'd seen. We don't have the categories no. to bring to it. No. Mm. So mind your own business, I think, is a good <laughs> biblical answer. Okay. James Way is saying, I don't know. <laughs> well, how dare you? Outside and say that. Would this be a, yeah. a good moment as we're talking about the resurrection to talk about tickets to heaven? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. We've got some weird, weird religious stuff to um, this mention is here. An yep. interesting offer. Um, these tickets to heaven are guaranteed to get anyone into heaven. We have never had a single complaint. <laughs> <laughs> but note that tickets are not valid for near-death experiences. <laughs> but you wouldn't want to waste a ticket on well, a near-death experience. But it, they do offer it to um, agnostics and atheists. They suggest you get one just in case and call it insurance. <laughs> I won't give you the website. How much does it cost? you don't want one. It costs a lot. Is it? Yes. Well, I suppose it, you know, it's Bronze, an internal investment. There are also different categories of ticket, which is slightly worrying bronze ticket costs oh dear I can't do this got too many noughts on the end I never could yeah, do yeah, maths right, yeah, yeah, but a lot stuff. basically and obviously yes. indulgences I think the higher the price before. the closer your seat is to God himself well that brings us quite nicely to our second question doesn't <laughs> it um, I guess it kind of does yeah oh, third, no, oh, no, no, which right. one are you talking about well you I was thinking of the brownie points the brownie, oh, the brownie points okay yeah 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 oh yeah this was this is um, uh, yeah are there brownie points in heaven it's the idea of um, you know I, Okay, you know, there's you either heaven or hell. In, but assuming you know people go to to heaven, um, are there grades in heaven? So some people kind of end up higher up than others, and the kind of really good Christians are the ones at the top of the pile with a nicer house, and, and the ones who just get in by the skin of their teeth and sort of just by the by the back door in a bit of a hovel. Um, you're setting up a terrible reaction in me, Graham, because I never managed to make it through the brownies. I was one of those people who never passed a single badge of any description, and I couldn't stand all that togetherness, you know, the singing around the campfire and having to... So anything to do with brownie points just brings me out in a hot flush, I'm afraid. And, <laughs> and I really yeah. sincerely hope that one of the points of being a Christian is that God loves us all equally. 
and that therefore there are no brownie points in them. Well, I suppose there are, I mean, there are passages. It's beginning to hang together, isn't it? You don't like togetherness. You tell people to mind their own business. True nature is coming out. Grumpy old theologian. Glad you put an S on the end of that. I don't want to be the only grumpy old theologian. Oh no, you won't be. It's early in the morning. But I mean, yeah. But there may be passages in the Bible that do might imply, which is, I guess is where the question is coming from, that might imply that there is um, some kind of gradation in, in heaven. Are there? There are a few, aren't there? There's um, the bit, uh, the, the different number of cities in the one of the parables given to people. Some are given to rule over five cities, others to rule over ten cities. Yep. That kind of thing, one of the Lucan parables. Um, there's the different number of beatings given out and then one of the other passages. So why have you two spent so much of this time looking these things up and obviously making yourself a category and trying to work out whereabouts <laughs> in heaven you're going to be? It's a bit worrying. Only <laughs> 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 because I mean, we don't know them off by heart, as you obviously do, Jane. That's like if you joined the Scouts <laughs> when we were younger or something. I mean, I, this is a slight diversion. I mean, I, Surely one, not. <laughs> theologian in diversion <laughs> horror. Um... But yeah, just of course, the Bible point. actually I, never. Just, um, yes, 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 go right ahead. I've just um, found a bit. That was one, a real diversion. You completely diverted <laughs> off the rails. <laughs> one Corinthians three: For if no one, no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, there's the foundation. But if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, that person's work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of everyone's work. If the building survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss. The builder, however, will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. And so that might imply that there's, you know, okay, you have the foundation of faith on Christ, but some people build good stuff on it and some people build lousy stuff on it. So what it might imply is it matters what you do now. Yes. Yeah. Which I think really is is the the pastoral thrust of that point, isn't it? Is not worry about what it will be like when you get to heaven, but Mm -hmm. please try and be a good Christian now. It's rather like those um, paving slabs outside the Globe Theatre, which have people's names on. And, and sometimes you get that in cathedrals too. People can pay to have you know, a stone or gargoyle or something in their, in their honour. <laughs> <laughs> Be carved. <Your> <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, as part of the, the, the restored cathedral. And that's partly a way of saying what we do now <clears throat> will be there as part of the restored creation it's going to be there it's going to matter as you say what we do now because it lasts because it has uh, a restored and renewed future um, and therefore we want okay. yeah. to do it as well now as we can so you're saying that, that what we do now in some ways um, so impacts what's, what's upon crow line isn't it in, you know what um we do know echoes in eternity. Yes. It's that idea that what we... The, the, the sense of this passage is that you know, if you, the, the work that you do is then somehow kind of brought into the new creation. Mm. So it's not that there's a kind of hierarchy in heaven that, you know, you've done better than me, therefore you get a, a better mansion than me. Um, but that the work that we do is somehow brought into the new creation, therefore it matters. The, yeah. the, the chapter on the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, ends with... <clears throat> your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Mm-hmm. Why is it not in vain? Because of the resurrection. Because of the re- recreation of, of the universe. The, the, what we do now will be there, uh, healed and transformed. Um, but we, we don't do things now um, 
we're constantly counting how it's going to pay us off in heaven. We do things now because of the great joy and privilege of living with God and each other. Um, and the eternal significance of what we do, you know, that it actually makes eternal, a difference. Yes, but I mean, not, not for us, yes. but for... Provided we add in the eternal significance, you know, the George Herbert hymn, who sweeps a room yes, exactly. as for thy laws. Exactly. Um, that actually, it, our measurements of eternal significance mm. are likely to be very, very faulty. Yes, <laughs> yes no, that's right. I mean, the, the d- distraction from which I got distracted was a uh, diversion from which I got diverted. So that was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> was... Um, of course, the Bible never actually talks about going to heaven when we die. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ever, once, ever. <laughs> um, yep. It talks about the new heavens and the new earth. It talks about the renewal of creation, the restoration. It, Jesus' phrase for it was at the resurrection or at the renewal of all things. Um, and that, I think, is yep. more helpful language because heaven can play into the platonic thing we were talking about mm-hmm. earlier that, you know, we get distilled off from this mortal, physical, yep. material universe and material body uh, and live purely spiritual existences. No, that's not what's on offer. What's on offer is you know, God made the universe in the first place. He's not suddenly going to leave it behind like a spent stage of an Apollo rocket. Uh, he's going to take it up, heal it, restore it, renew it, live in it, <laughs> indwell it, shine through it, transfigure it. And there's probably, I think also with, within that, I mean, that's a very helpful thing to say, and I think... Um, we, we can think that if, you know, if, if we do good works and, and build something that's significant and we build with costly stones and, and um, gold and silver, as Paul puts it, um, that, you know, will I be proud of what I've done in, in, in the resurrection and look around at all this stuff that I've done and it's been transferred into the new heaven and the new earth and will I be sort of more pleased with that than someone who hasn't done very much? But that seems to me to slightly miss the point, really, because if because actually it, it implies there's a sort of pride in my action, which actually that is, that is not going to survive into the, into the new heaven, the new earth. And that's it suggests that, burned off. And we, yeah. it suggests that we know what God likes, whereas one of the things yeah. that Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians is about God's foolishness, our standards of judgment yeah. are yes, not sure. as good yeah. as God's. Yes. And in, in the light of the presence of God, the full face-to-face presence of God, um, yes, there'll be a sense of, you know, what back, back to our what we said in an earlier one about um, about prayer, you know, what we have done will be brought in, transfigured, used in, in the, the, the creation, the recreation of the world. Um, and yet, in some ways, maybe at that stage, our, our part in it will, um, looking back, will be seen to be, you know, the, the difference in grade between my bit and someone else's bit really won't matter at all, really. Because in the light of God, all that really matters is the fact that God has created this and in some way involved us in it. And our whole, as you say, our whole kind of mindset about what is important, what is not important, who is important, who is not important, will have been healed and transformed and changed anyway. I, I mean, I suppose when I was looking at some of those passages that do suggest there's a kind of difference... Uh, in, in the new creation between people and people I, th- I thought to myself well if if my brother for instance who had a stroke when he was about my age and, and uh, was unable to speak or move for 10 years before he died if he has a higher place than I do mm. uh, in the new creation I won't mind yeah mm. um, yeah there will be an appropriateness to that in terms of kind of compensation for what he's been through. Yeah. And I will be at that stage the sort of person who wouldn't mind about that anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But if, if, and if this does help us 
to remember the eternal significance of choices and decisions that we make now, then I think that's a very helpful thing to do. Yeah. I actually found it very moving to hear a Christian Prime Minister say he expects to come to judgment for the yeah. way that he's run the country. I know there's yeah. a huge outcry in the press about this, as though it was something mm. stupid to say, but I would personally rather have leaders who feel that they're Accountable. open to judgment. Yes, yes. 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 And that, 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 that while they make the best judgment that they can in a particular situation... Theirs is not the final judgment. Their word yes. is not... Their judgment yeah. is not the final yeah. judgment. And that we all have to say that. Um, yeah. Good, thank you. Well, that brings a, another very interesting question about whether politicians should do God, but maybe we'll do that on another occasion. Um, we're going to wind up in a minute. Um, John March, um, curate here at HDB, has produced us some, some very good, interesting, weird religious stuff. Just to browse through one or two bits of this, <laughs> I've got some brilliant stuff here. One is, this thing is called um, uh, Jesus the Monster Truck. Now, this is one of these big things that you find in the state. You know these, these big monster trucks with these huge great wheels and Toys for tires? Boys. Toys for boys. And this thing has got Excuse Jesus. Excuse me, when I get back to sleep then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't notice you were up. So. <laughs> It has a text text on this truck which says, For God so loved the world, he gave us monster trucks. Um, It's an interesting translation from the Greek. Um, And it has Jesus, America kicks ass on it. Jesus is the way, Satan sucks. (laughs) And um, this is is the thing. So it then has, um, yeah, you can also, as part of this monster truck thing, Holy Mary, Mother of God, it's Ladies' Night. The mother, the mother of all monster trucks, Little Miss Mary, the immaculate concept truck. I'm going to start turning into a raving feminist shortly right, if yeah. you go on reading these things, Graham. Oh yes, I'll carry oh, on reading. Then you really won't like. Excuse me. There's a, there's a, um, <laughs> oh, James, that. censorship hits the god pod again. Absolutely. Um, there's one yeah. of these flex limos uh, with a kind of bandstand growing out of the top of it and a cross on it and, and some bikini clad ladies on the <laughs> it says the Reverend Leroy's drive-by bikini baptismal and mobile chapel would you like one of those <laughs> what can you get in here <laughs> what can you do in here you get like, I will never know now. <laughs> it's been ripped up. Why is this not driven by a woman, and why are there not men in swimsuit city? Not that that would actually make it any better, would it? Well, it depends on the men, really. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, on that note, I think we should um, <laughs> stop our imaginations going. <laughs> In directions they probably shouldn't. Um, <laughs> okay, thank you, Jane, and um, thank you, Mike. It's a pleasure. We okay. didn't get on to Adam and Eve, did we? No, we didn't, we didn't get as far today. as Adam and Eve. <laughs> no. No. Get back that Adam far. And Eve we'll do that week. next time. <laughs> the beginning is nigh. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.